0: Welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting from Scratch Supply Co. We're recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're really excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. Today, before we dive
1: into our episode, we want to take a minute to tell you all and invite you all to an event that we are hosting in our shop. So if you're very, very far away, it might feel like a stretch. But if you are kind of (laughs) local to New Hampshire, this is something that might interest you. You might recall last year in October, we went to Rhinebeck, and when we were at New York Sheep and Wool at the Indian Tangled event, we hosted something called the Handmade Swap. Well, guess what? Things in the world are a hot mess, and everyone's having a lot of feelings about what's going on. So we decided we wanted to host a community event to bring us together and kind of dovetail that into a fundraiser as well. So Make Good Podcast and Scratch Supply Company are joining forces, (laughs) (laughs) and we're hosting a handmade swap in the store in Lebanon, New Hampshire on Saturday, July 9th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. What that means is all of your hand knits that are not getting the love that they perhaps should at home because you no longer like green. Or you have grown three inches and things are too short for you, or whatever the situation is, it's just not your jam anymore. You can rehome those hand knits to another maker. When you participate, you don't need to leave something to take something. It's like a little free library. And we're hoping that this is a way for us to come together and show each other some fibery love and we'll be fundraising for reproductive rights organizations, and you can find the details on our website.
0: Yep. The shop is going to be matching funds for all donations, and we're going to be hosting some of that stuff on the website also. So if you're not local and this isn't possible for you, you can still get matching funds by making those donations there. And if you're not local and therefore cannot participate in the handmade swap, but you're going to Rhinebeck, We are going to be doing another handmade swap at New York Sheep and Wool in some capacity. You only have to make it till October,
1: and then we will help you put it out into the
0: world. And anything that doesn't get claimed at the end of the event is going to go to one of our community partners. We work with an organization that provides material support to unhoused individuals, and there's also a gender-based violence shelter that we work with. So we'll make sure that things get to a new home where they will be much loved. We hope you'll join us. Speaking of community, can we talk about crafty and knitting communities? Yes. Us hosting that event and also what we want to talk about today are the ways that knitting can serve as self-care and like can be beneficial for you and for your community and how those two things work together. Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, this is such a multi-layered topic. So I was doing a little bit of reading on the World Wide Web, as one does. I was wondering, how many of us are there? And when I say us, I mean knitters. And you'd be surprised to learn that it's hard to tack that number down and get really accurate statistics. Sure. But a fiber industry trade organization has some statistics up on their website that tell us that as of today in the United States... About 53 million people who identified themselves as women on this survey are knitters, and about 2.6 million men identify as knitters as well. And I think, as I always do when I see these surveys with huge numbers, there are probably so many more people who never get swept up in these survey bubbles that bring them to these conclusions.
0: This particular organization didn't collect any data on non-binary individuals or people who don't fall into one of those two categories or who wouldn't self-identify as one of those two categories. All that's to say, there are a lot of us out there. And if you think bigger picture
1: beyond the United States, we're like maybe number 10 on the list of knitting countries in the world. There are so many knitters. So with all of us doing this, why? Why do we do it? What do we get out of this?
0: Because there's no other way to acquire clothing, and otherwise we would go to fashion jail. And be so cold. (laughs) And be so cold. And be very cold. Yeah. So today, we're going to dig into some of the benefits of knitting.
1: How this handcraft that we all work so hard to learn, how does this improve our lives? We spend a lot of time on here talking about like, ah, drop stitches, and ah, I didn't swatch, and I have mistakes, and all of these kind of low-key <laughs> stressful knitting scenarios. But it's not all doom and gloom. A lot of us are much better off because of our knitting skills and the community bonds that we have formed through
0: this craft. There are not only the sort of, I enjoy this benefits there are tangible, measurable benefits that we get from doing this activity over and over all the time. Let's jump right into social
1: connections. Because we get questions about this periodically, people want to know, how do you find your knitting community? And there are ways to do this no matter where you are, whether you are dealing with real three-dimensional in-person people who are local to you Or in virtual spaces, there are ways to find your fiber friends and build up those spaces around you.
0: You may be in a position where these groups already exist around you and you just have to find them. There might be a knitting group like a social group at your local yarn shop or often at a local library, community center, senior center. There might be one in like a building on campus, in a coffee shop. I do think that during COVID, a lot of these groups transitioned to individual homes, which may make them harder to find if you're not already part of them, but they're out there. And
1: I think that people are re-emerging a little bit. Yeah. You see knitting in the park and knitting on the patio at the coffee shop. Like, these things are happening. But if you don't know where they are and you're kind of looking in these places and you're not seeing knitters congregating, you know what you can do? You can start one. Right. Make a flyer. Talk to your local yarn shop or coffee shop or whatever the venue that suits you best is and say, hey, I would like to do this thing. I would like to host a group and invite other people to be there. And chances are they're going to be open to that too. And magic marker and a piece of paper and poof, you have a meeting that's scheduled and open to the public. And they might even be willing to help you publicize it on their social media or through a newsletter. But the invitation stands, and if you put it out there, eventually some other knitters are going to start to show up. Because if knitters love one thing, it's finding other knitters to knit with.
0: Absolutely. And one of the nice things about starting your own is that it gives you an opportunity to, like, set the tone for the group.
1: Yep. If you're finding that, like, pre-existing groups in your area are not really your vibe, that's fine. It works for the people who are going to them but you can create your own environment and community space with a little help from whoever you need to help host it. But it's always good to have options because there are so many different types of knitters. There's definitely someone else like you in your community who wants to knit and hang out.
0: Oh, for sure. But if somehow there isn't, there's also virtual
1: groups. Or maybe you're a homebody or an introvert or only like knitting gigantic blankets that aren't really portable.
0: Your dog has separation anxiety, and you don't like to leave them in the evenings.
1: Yeah, lots of different reasons to take to online spaces. But there are lots of spaces where knitters are already congregating and socializing and have built really established communities. And in lots of them, there is always an open door policy for new people coming in and joining. You're probably already engaging on some of these platforms. And you maybe just didn't think to look there specifically for knitters. There are some websites or apps that are like fiber and craft specific. So like Ravelry, obviously, the making app is making specific, but there are also big general social online spaces like Reddit, Instagram, and YouTube where you're not actually live time always engaging with people, but conversations happen in the comments of content, and people message each other and build relationships
0: that way. There are Discord channels, which I am showing my age right now, but I kind of understand Discord. I'm glad one of us does. Zoom, Google Meet. All those kind of things that might be hosted by a variety of different groups that can really help you sort of congregate around a theme or something that you have in common.
1: You can find these through maybe your local yarn shop. If you follow dyers or designers or fiber influencers online, oftentimes in their link tree or their bio, they'll have links or information about these events that they host. And if you're interested, log in, go join them and meet some people and participate in the conversations.
0: I know that Lady Di has one. I believe it's once a month. It's the Craftivist Craft Nights. You can find that information on her website. We also have one. First Thursday of every month on Zoom. You can log right in. The other kind of group that might be out there is an organized craft for a purpose group. A lot of times these are groups that spring up around a need for donations in the community or even outside of the direct community.
1: And that, in addition to benefiting you personally, Because you're doing something that feels good by making things and giving them to people who need them, also benefits the broader community because they're receiving the love and good vibes and cozy, warm hand knits that you are producing and putting out into the world for them. So, personal good and community good all coming from your swiftly moving hands.
0: You might see groups springing up to create hand knits. And often these things will also include crochet, by the way, for refugees or babies, like at the NICU.
1: You might be knitting hats for people who have gone through chemotherapy. There are lots of patterns out there for knitting knit and stuffed breasts for people who have had mastectomies. So there are lots of different cancer-supporting knit options.
0: And then there are also things like cold-weather accessories for unhoused individuals. Most areas have some kind of shelter or service center that you could inquire about whether they are in need of such donations. But okay, so that's social benefit. All of those things, we as knitters, whether we're doing it, the end product is for ourselves or it's for somebody else, we are getting a social community benefit from it. What about physical benefits?
1: It's a good question. So you, as a human... Benefit emotionally, and your brain benefits, and your body benefits from knitting. There are all sorts of tangible health implications for this practice that we have chosen to engage in. There's research all over the place, ranging from like fiber industry trade publications to studies put out by UCLA. You can look around online and find all sorts of different studies that focus on the benefits of knitting. One of the ones that you see regularly mentioned is that knitting is really healthy for your brain and it helps improve your concentration and your memory in similar ways to doing things like crossword puzzles or sudoku. It keeps your brain problem solving and kind of sharp. Yeah, that makes sense. The Mayo Clinic actually says that your risk of memory loss and dementia is reduced by 40% if you're a knitter or some other flavor of crafter. So crocheters, weavers, other fibercraft people, this thing that you're doing that you love is also really healthy for your brain. Good choice.
0: I know like when I was doing my student teaching, we talked a lot about what was really current research at the time, which was that if you're trying to learn something new, doing something where your hands and feet cross the center line of your body is going to increase your brain's ability to be plastic and form new connections. You're holding your hands right at the center point of your body when you're knitting.
1: hmm There's actually studies that show that literacy skills are acquired faster and stick better if the people who are learning to read are knitting while they do it.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting. Yep. There are also studies, lots of studies, about how knitting is meditative and it helps you release stress. I find this is a very, your mileage may vary situation personally. Mm-hmm. Because it depends on how your knitting is going on any given day. Sure. Sure. That's
1: <laughs> fair. I mean, don't make a hot mess of your knitting and then think, am I less stressed? Forget this craft. That's not your metric. But like generally speaking,
0: you come home, you've had a hard day, you're trying to relax. A lot of us pick up our knitting. hmm The act of knitting, what you're doing with your hands, causes your brain to release serotonin, which is the neurotransmitter that plays a key role in mood regulation, learning, sleep, and pain perception, so all kinds of good stuff. Also, dopamine, that just like feeling of finishing something or of accomplishing something or of learning something new or of pursuing something new can get you through what would otherwise be maybe a frustrating evening or hour or afternoon Knitting is
1: also something that can help people manage their anxiety. It's used in therapeutic settings, whether it's with a healthcare professional or at home when you're taking care of yourself in self care practice. It helps people with anxiety and depression. It's used in therapeutic response to things like eating disorders and PTSD. There are addiction recovery programs that introduce knitting to people and other handcrafts, too, because it is so grounding and centering for people. And it can also be really helpful with chronic pain issues. See the aforementioned serotonin release. It's really good for your body and the brain-body connection that maybe you don't think about all the time but is an important part of your wellness. For lots of people, there's also self-reported happiness and self-confidence with their knitting. I think especially if you're learning how to do it as an adult, there's not lots of opportunities in your adult routine life where you're like, I did awesome, gold star for me. (laughs) People have their routines and breaking out of that and trying something new isn't always organic for lots of us. So kind of pushing yourself a little bit and learning a new technique, even if you've been knitting since you were a kid, There's always something new to learn and there's always a new skill to master. So that self-confidence and that little boost is like a really healthy thing for you.
0: Knitting, like petting your dog, will lower your blood pressure. It's really just very slow motion petting a sheep. (laughs) That's right. And it's good for your heart. Yay! And it will strengthen your hands and improve dexterity. Things like manual dexterity are very much a use it or lose it kind of situation. If you already have a condition such as arthritis, it's a little bit of a different situation, but it can help prevent some of those issues to just be like using your hands this way and keeping your fingers strong. Mm -hmm. Plus, it's fashion. It
1: sure is fashion. When you are making the choice to hand-make your clothing or your accessories, you are choosing to do something that you don't have to do anymore in order to be clothed. You are taking this opportunity to build a kind of unique and body-positive wardrobe that you sort of otherwise don't have access to. Of course, there are clothing lines that exist that are like, yay, body-positive, but even if that's their attitude, it still doesn't mean that it fits your person. right? Your body and that sewing block for the garments that they create are maybe not compatible. And that's no judgment on either of you. There's a lot of variety out there. This gives you the opportunity to do something really interesting. You're working with patterns that you find that are appealing to you and supporting those indie designers who are making them. You get to make your own special magical fiber choices and color decisions are endless and maybe overwhelming sometimes, but isn't that exciting and fun too? (laughs) And you also get to modify these designs so that the clothing fits your body, which is kind of a radical idea because we are living in a consumer society where the emphasis is on your body fitting into clothing. Mm -hmm. Does my butt fit into those jeans from Gap? I don't know. Probably not. But if I'm making things on my own, I can make changes to the pattern so it fits the way my body is shaped and what my measurements are. And that's like a kind of
0: radical act of self-love if you think about it. It's also a radical act to we have all independently seized the means of production.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We are the workers. (laughs) That's right. Oh,
0: God. It is also a radical act to free yourself of, on any level, the consumerist fast fashion cycle. Mm-hmm. I had this moment a couple of years after we opened the store where I realized, other than pants, which I don't knit for myself and I'm not, I'm not a sewist, I haven't bought a sweater in almost a decade at this point. Mm-mm, it's kind of nice. Yeah, like you reframe how you think about the things
1: you put on your body Do I have a specific need? I will either make it or find it, but it's not like constant shopping as an activity for a lot of people if you decide that you really love making your own things.
0: In an increasingly kind of decentralized market, as we're just thinking about the economy as a whole, where you could walk into a department store and you can pick up something that comes from you're not really sure where and you don't know who's making it. If you're in a place where you're able to support independent makers, now you know where these things are coming from. You can go to this Dyer's Instagram and see what her workspace looks like. You can really engage with the things that you're spending your time and your money on in a different way.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have the option to work with people where there's some level of transparency and you feel like you know what this interaction is supporting. You get to make those conscious decisions as a consumer about supporting people who are doing any number of things that are, like, in line with what feels right to you. So
0: that intentionality is kind of a gift for all of us. So those are a few of the benefits that you get from knitting. There are more, many more.
1: Some of them are really personal. It's different for each one of us what we find valuable about
0: having this craft be part of our lives. Mm -hmm. I'm actually getting kind of emotional talking about this, which is very interesting to me. But then some of these benefits are things like now I have a hat. Mm -hmm. It runs a whole gamut. Yep. I used up this yarn that my coworkers'
1: Aunt Sally gave to them and they don't knit. And they were like, here, you do something with it. (laughs) Great. Now it's done. Yeah. Well, if you have benefits in your own life, like you can see how your life is better because you are a knitter, we would love to hear about it. Write to us and tell us, or maybe we'll start a post on our Instagram too. So if you're over there, you can just kind of share in the comments and people can talk about the ways that this is good for us and our community. What's on your needles, Jessica? Oh, I'm still working on my Tied Knots hat. And you know what? I'm doing better. Good. I'm doing a better job than I was last week. (laughs) And do you want to know what helped me? I took a screenshot of my cable chart. And I blew it up big Mm -hmm. and then I printed it. So now (laughs) I'm not looking at a tiny little cable chart, right? I'm looking at a big cable chart on my page and I'm better able to pay attention to what I'm supposed to be doing because I think my attention span was kind of shot. And I was like, I think maybe that's the row I was on. I don't know. Oh, But I'm doing better. And I think that today is the last day I will talk about it as an unfinished object because I'm cruising along and hats are only so big. So I've got to finish this at some point. (laughs) You've just cursed yourself, though. Uh. (laughs) Uh, Gonna go throw a ring in the
0: river. What's on your needles, Karen? I cast on something new. Bless, what I, did you cast on? <laughs> I just needed a rotation. So I cast on the Oak Moss by Alicia Plummer, and it's for the knit along. It's a cabled, like gansey inspired sweater. I'm knitting it in the Tuku Wool DK, which I've been looking for an excuse to knit with. I did not swatch. Shame. 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 What? I'm just saying, what? My cast on is functioning as my swatch. There may be some adjustments in coming. You all heard this here. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, but I'm excited about it.
1: I'm excited for you. Yeah. That's a beautiful sweater and two Google's nice wool. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the cables, how's the knit along going? Make good cables, knit along. It's so good. Everyone's knitting fun things. We're excited to have you join us. See, listeners, if you haven't cast on for your Make Good Cable project yet. It's okay. You didn't have to start it the first day. Karen's just starting recently, like now. <laughs> so it's not too late to join. But if you haven't been following along, what we're doing is knitting cabled projects this summer, not any specific pattern. We're all meeting each other where we are on our cabling journey. But we're using the hashtag make good cables on Instagram and sharing pictures. We have a couple of people who are either sending us pictures because they don't have public Instagram accounts and that's cool too. We're happy to like do our best to make this work for you. But we want you to keep posting. Check out our stories. I need to make a highlight so that all of those pictures I've been sharing are in one place at the top of our Instagram page. But we're happy to have you all join us. Keep knitting your cables. Are you ready for a letter?
0: Yeah, let's answer a letter. (laughs) I feel like when I say your name, it just makes you nervous. We're going to try it together. It does make me nervous. (laughs) What's coming next? (laughs) This week's letter comes from Macy. Hi, Macy. I was picked for a test knit, and the back of the neck short rows have colorwork knit flat. I remember in a handful of episodes about hearing of the struggles and strategies of doing this, could you point me towards some resources? First of all, congratulations
1: on being picked for the test knit. Test knitting is fun and exciting, and I hope you enjoy this sweater. As far as resources go, I couldn't find a lot of like instructional videos or anything online that were specifically about knitting stranded color work flat. Mm -hmm. But I can give you a couple of tips or things to keep in mind. And I think Karen can maybe speak to this too, because I know she has knit back of the neck color work in short rows. So it was flat.
0: Yeah. Although my advice, my suggestion is just don't be bad at reading the pattern like I was. That was what I did was I read the pattern. (laughs) I tried to repeat a bunch of things that weren't supposed to be repeated. I was trying to repeat the colorwork motif across the short rows when it was not supposed to be repeated. Don't make that mistake. Okay, so do a close reading of this pattern that you're test knitting <laughs> is what Karen is distilling here for you. So
1: some things I will tell you to keep in mind during this process is that it can be a little harder to catch mistakes in your colorwork when you're knitting stranded colorwork flat because half the time that you're doing it, you're not looking at the outside of the work, which sounds obvious. but. If you're not going to notice it until you've already knit a whole row or a whole section, just something to check in on periodically to make sure that your stitches are lining up with your colorwork chart. Also, if you are a knitter that pays attention to yarn dominance, and I say if because not everyone does, we've mentioned yarn dominance before where you are carrying, we're just going to say, for example, two colors across a row, and one color is your background color and one color is your colorwork color, work color and you're holding your yarn in a certain position, if you maintain the position of those yarns, you will have consistent yarn dominance throughout. If you are changing it so that sometimes color A is carried on top and sometimes colored B is carried on top, it's going to be a less consistent fabric. You want to pay attention to how you're holding that when you're turning your yarn from front to back. And that I did cross-reference with the interweb, And interweave knits tells us that when you're knitting your stranded color work flat, make sure that you just hold your yarn the same way on the front and the back. I think maybe your inclination might be to switch it, but if you're holding your main color on your right hand and your colorwork color on your left hand, when you flip to work on the back of your work and you're purling across your row, keep your yarn in the same hands. Don't cross them over. And Macy, as far as yarn management is concerned, we all do that differently when we're knitting color work. So whether you reposition your balls of yarn or you keep them in Ziploc bags or whatever the case is, I have no idea how many colors are happening in this project. You do what you need to do to make it work, but you're going to need to experiment a little bit and your swatch will be a good time to try this out because you can swatch flat as a way to practice for the short rows, too, if you are feeling a little hesitant about doing your stranded color work this way. Well, your test knit sounds exciting, Macy, and when you're posting pictures of it, whenever you're allowed to, you should tag us so we can see what you get to work on and how your short row color work turned out.
0: It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. I think that's it for us this week. It definitely is. <laughs> You can listen to us everywhere that you get your audio podcasts, possibly including where you're listening to us right now. You should rate us and review us. It will help other knitters find us when they're looking for knitting
1: podcasts. And you should also tell your friends because friends love getting podcast recommendations. You can follow us on Instagram at MakeGoodPod. Big huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Y'all are amazing. We hope you enjoyed the dog
0: pictures that you got last week from us. You're great. You help us do this every week without ever taking on advertising. You can visit our website, makegoodpod.com, and check out the show notes there. Uh, You can also send us letters to scratch at scratchsupplyco.com. You can do that from the website as well on the contact page, and please include your pronouns. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.